right, welcome to another headline filled mostly, you know, just, you know, random stuff sort of episode. It's, it's an off-season episode of Unqualified Analysis, ladies and gentlemen. We are unstructured. We are ready to go. All sorts of headlines here. And by all sorts, I mean, I'm going to be lucky if this thing gets to an hour because there's just really not that much going on. It is, you know, end of June, about to get into July. We are smack dab in the deadest period of the entire sports calendar. As such, though, I think I've made the executive decision to go ahead and start NFL division previews next week because I can't imagine next week's going to be a lot more eventful than this one. So, all in favor, say aye. All opposed, no one. I'm the only one in this closet, and you might be opposed, but I can't hear you, so your vote doesn't count. Sorry about that. Uh, either way, we have got some, you know, Bunch of headlines today. Shout out to the dumbasses who decided to hop in a rickety submarine. And, uh, you know, that wasn't safety graded uh, to go to the Titanic. I think it was graded for a little under a half of, of what they were supposed to get down to depth-wise. And, uh, you know, it predictably imploded because, you know wasn't built well enough to withstand the pressure at that depth. Uh, there's only so far my sympathy goes there, ladies and gentlemen. That's just, I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not in the business of laughing at death generally. That's a funny level of stupidity, though. You just, you won yourselves the Darwin Award. Everything, everything in the universe told you not to get on that sub, and your, your pride, your adrenaline-seeking just told you, you know what, we're hopping on that sub anyways. Let's, let's go down to the Titanic, and you got crunched up like a bag of Cheetos before you even got there. Sorry, I don't, just, I simply don't feel bad. Yeah, call me a bad person. I might be, but, meh. Whatever is what it is. Uh, outside of that, though, also shout out to Evgeny Prigozhin, man. If you don't know Evgeny Prigozhin, he's the leader of uh, Wagner PMC, uh, one of the guy, one of the, the, the military groups, private contractors in the front of the uh, the war in Ukraine. Absolutely used that private army, Wagner MC Wagner, however you pronounce it, still unclear to my dumb American mind. Uh, he used that to strong arm his way into exile instead of prison. So you know. Good for him. Will it save him from getting a little polonium in his coffee down the road? Probably not, but, you know, a free life in Belarus uh, may be a little bit better than a, uh, a chained-up life in a Russian penal colony. So, can't blame him. If you got the resources, do it. Dude's an absolute psychopath. So, I mean, uh, who cares? If he dies, he dies. Again, really, really morbid to start this show as far as death is concerned but uh yeah i digress on that front shout outs are actually no one more shout out before we get into the headlines here devin allen white boy ran the fourth fastest 110 meter hurdles time in america yesterday a little bit over 13 seconds just a hair just a hair over 13 seconds uh real good time and um yeah White boys representing you see him on the starting line you think nah that that white boy is not fast you'd be wrong you would be wrong. Wide receiver for the Eagles, uh, one of the fastest men in the world. Well, relatively speaking, you know there there's a lot of there's a lot of faster guys than him in the sport of track and field. But eh, who's who's to say? I've, I've rambled on too long at this point. Wow, we're not even four minutes into this show, and um, yeah, really don't have a whole lot of headlines for this episode. So yeah, this one might be all time bad, but you know, let's find out. Let's get into the headlines, shall we? And I am coming to you live off of five straight days of work. Got two more on top of this, so I am juiced. 
totally full of energy in no small part because I got my cold caffeinated beverage right next to me. No free ads, but you know who you are. You don't. I know who you are. Either way, let's talk about some sports, shall we? Let's get away from the death of Evgeny Prigozhin. Uh, Chris Stops Porzingis was getting traded to the Boston Celtics. Then it fell apart. Then Woj said they're working on a midnight deadline. Then it all gets done. Almost said Prigozhin again. Let's get him out of my mind right now. Uh, Porzingis going to the Boston Celtics after all. Marcus Smart going to the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, that was the that was the sticking point. The Boston Celtics wanted to trade one of their guards, and you know, Jalen Brown a little bit rich for this deal. Also, not sure what his status is as far as is he going to sign a contract? Are they going to sign and trade him? Who's to say at this point in time? I digress. But problem is, they try to trade Malcolm Brogdon to the Clippers. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon's bones are made of glass, glass bones, paper skin. You know how it all works. If you've seen SpongeBob before, that's, that's what Malcolm Brogdon is seen as right now around the league. So Clippers didn't want him. They backed out of the deal. Um, Celtics found another trading partner. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, Grizzlies said, Hey, we don't want glass bones, paper skin guy either. So we'll go with, uh, you know, whichever one else you got available. Marcus Smart happened to be available. So they grabbed him in this deal. And honestly, if you look at the dynamics of this deal, obviously Kristaps Porzingis going to the Boston Celtics. I mean, rah, rah, good for them. You get another scorer on the team. Is he a ball handler? No, not particularly. Good ball handler for a big man, but not particularly. Um, is he an elite defender? really, he's better than he's been in, in parts of his career as far as uh, defending goes. But, you know, very good at defending the rim because he's 7'3". You'd hope so. You'd hope he'd be good at defending at the rim. But, you know, I'm not sure he necessarily makes the Boston Celtics that much better, quite frankly. Um, so, eh, they were, they were, you know, they got another piece. I'm not sure they were the biggest winner, though. My biggest winner in this whole deal was the Memphis Grizzlies because you think about this. They had uh, Dylan Brooks in there, who many, I mean, you know, he's a pest, um, has a reputation as a good defender, but consistently got cooked in the postseason. Um, kind of a hothead, you don't know what he's going to do. And then after games, he had a, a, you know, a bad inclination of not facing the music in front of the press. And then when he would, he really only went in front of the press after wins and just basically said the media's trying to paint him a certain way when, in fact, he was the one who tried to paint himself in, in the villain's role anyways. So you go from that guy, who many would say is, uh, I don't know, like a, like a discount Marcus Smart, to Marcus Smart, who is, I mean, getting up there in age as far as his style of play and, you know, actual age. He spent a couple years in college. Um, but still, elite defender, former defensive player of the year, leader on the team. Um, you get all the def the defensive and, and pest sort of qualities with Marcus Smart without all of the, hmm, immaturity involved with Dylan Brooks. I will, we'll put it that way. So Memphis Grizzlies. Also, you talk about a guy that can that can talk to John Morant, maybe maybe get in his head a little bit, uh, you know, in a positive way, you know, get, get through to him a little bit. I think obviously, you know, he's facing this suspension got some things he's got to work on in his own time. But if you want a guy that can really step in there and be a legitimate mentor in the backcourt there, Marcus Smart, not a bad guy to step in there and provide a little bit of leadership back there. So, I mean, 
Hmm? I don't hate this. I actually really love this for the Memphis Grizzlies. I think this makes, I think, I'll put it to you this way, I think it makes the Grizzlies better than what this deal makes the Boston Celtics, quite frankly. I think the Grizzlies really came out here and got a, a very good deal done as far as what they were they were giving up. I think they really just only gave up, I want to say, Tyus Jones. Maybe that was a different deal. That's a, that's a whole thing as well. The Wizards did about 5 million deals over the course of the last week. I mean, they traded just about everything that wasn't nailed down on their team right now. Uh, traded Chris Paul to the Warriors as well. Might as well just move on there. Grizzlies, big winners in this deal. Uh, Wizards, uh, trying to trade away the whole team. Boston Celtics, eh, they're all right. They're still probably one of the best teams in the East. Not a whole lot better than what they were before they made this deal, quite frankly. Let's move on to another Wizards deal here. They traded CP3 to the Warriors in exchange for Jordan Poole and a bench player, also a second-round pick from the Warriors as well. So... Warriors. If you, also, if you think Chris Paul is starting for the Warriors next season, you are sorely mistaken. That's that's simply not going to happen. Who's going to start over? Steph Curry? Uh, are you going to are you going to put him in the shooting guard role? Are you going to put put uh put Clay Thompson at the three? What what are you going to do with Kevon Looney and and Draymond Green? Because like it or not, Draymond Green is not leaving the Warriors. I mean, they they're so codependent. It's it's disgusting over there. But I, you know, he's good Good depth off the bench. A good guy to lead your second unit, I'll put it that way. He's 39 years old, Chris Paul. I mean, it, there's only so much you can do. Uh, it's it's one of those things where I think it might make the Warriors marginally better. Does it get them back up into, into championship contention? In a conference with the Kings ascending, um, I think the Kings almost beat them in, in the first round. It took them to seven, in fact. Um, as a young team, they'll be even better this year. Uh, are they going to beat the Denver Nuggets, Los Angeles Lakers, Clippers for that matter? Uh, the Suns, the Suns are going to be better this next season because they'll have an offseason to put a bench around KD, Devin Booker, and now Bradley Beal. Is that what they're going to, are they going to be better than any of those teams? I could probably keep listing teams too, quite frankly. Um, they're not contending. The, the, the Warriors dynasty is over. I am, I am very uh, comfortable getting old takes ex exposed if, in fact, they do have some some massive resurgence. Because, I mean, Steph Curry is still Steph Curry. This is no knock to Steph Curry there, folks. Uh, he is still a top-five player, a spectacular shooter, the most spectacular shooter in NBA history. And, I mean, that's not really a hot take. That's how good he's been throughout the course of his entire career. And he's better now than he has ever been, quite frankly. What I'm saying is not a knock to Steph Curry. What I'm saying is... Klay Thompson got old real fast, which will happen when you miss two straight years with two catastrophic injuries, uh, two calendar years too, not just two NBA seasons, two full calendar years Klay Thompson missed with that ACL and that Achilles tear. That's not that's bound to do something to your athleticism, and it has basically made it so he couldn't jump over a piece of paper now at this point. I mean, that's that's an exaggeration. Don't, don't come at me. Obviously, he is an NBA player. He can jump a little bit higher than that, but... He ain't dunking in games anymore. Not that he was dunking much in the first place, but he certainly ain't trying now. And as you get later in the season, hell, even throughout the course of the season, you can kind of see the athleticism is not nearly what it once was. And Klay Thompson wasn't known for being a, an explosive athlete in the first place, but that fall off in athleticism translates to his defense not being as good as it once was, 
uh, the shooting not being as good as it once was. Not that he played a particularly athletic game, but when your legs aren't what they used to be, shots are just a little bit off. And that's what we've seen uh, throughout the course of this past season, uh, really the season before that. Klay Thompson is not what he once was. Draymond Green is an offensive liability. He, sh I mean, I... Literally, the only team that would value Draymond Green uh, for what he's going to be making next year is the Golden State Warriors because of the way he can distribute the ball. If you're talking just straight-up shooting, I would leave Draymond Green open on every single play until he hits a couple in a row and starts getting a rhythm. Then, yeah, you got to come up on him because he, he can still get high. He can still get streaky. He's been a streaky shooter his entire career. But if he's not making shots, there's literally no reason to go out to... I mean, treat him like the Warriors treated DeMontis Sabonis uh, throughout the course of this postseason. And until he gets to the free throw line, don't even think about going out to contest his shot. Just let him shoot away because him shooting is a much better option than even Klay Thompson at this point in his career. And certainly Steph Curry, uh, where he is right now for however long that happens to be, he is still... You still got to wonder at his size and the way he plays, how long he's going to be able to do this level of dominance. But, I mean, you that's all to say you would much rather have Draymond Green shooting than, than Steph or Clay for that matter. And then after that, what? You got, we got Andrew Wiggins, who didn't really get any better when he went to the Warriors. He just played the fourth role, which, you know, made him feel a little bit better. Um, who do you got after that? You got Kevon Looney. I like Kevon Looney. I think he's a very good player at what he does. He gets rebounds like a son of a bitch. Uh, he can he can catch a lob for you. He can finish on offensive rebounds. Very good player. Not a guy you're going to dump down in and get a get a basket whenever you need to. Not a guy that's going to be uh, the the game changing playmaker when you need him to. Not a guy that you can you can trust to be a focal point of your offense at any given point. He's a very good role player. He's extraordinary in his role too. Very, very good center. Underrated center, I would go as far as to say, but he is not a guy who's going to get you over the top. And after that, what do you got? What do you got on the bench? There's, I mean, got Jonathan Kaminga. Okay. Uh, anyone else? Anyone? You got Chris Paul now. Good for him. Uh, I, I do think he makes that second unit better because that's where he's going to be. He's going to be in the second unit. Um, I just don't see it happening, folks. I, I simply don't see it happening. But hey, good good for Chris Paul being out there on, West, on the West Coast. Doesn't have to change up going to the Eastern Conference after basically spending his entire career in the Western Conference. I mean, maybe, think about this, though. Didn't commit a single turnover as a Washington Wizard. Maybe the most efficient player in Washington Wizards history, some are saying. And that's, you can, you can take that to the bank. Zero turnovers as a Washington Wizard. Um, zero technical fouls either. Discipline player as, as a Washington Wizard. A guy you can count on in there. Maybe maybe the best chapter of his entire career, the Washington Wizards at this point. Didn't lose a game as well. People forget. People forget that he did not lose a game as a Washington Wizard over the past week and change. But that was not the last deal that the uh, the Washington Wizards made, I'm, I'm fairly certain. I need to I need to look. I need to look here. Um Give me just a second. I'll be right back in a flash. Yep, that was all of them. You know, that, that was all of them of note. But basically, they've got a couple dudes from the YMCA on their team. Uh, went down to LA Fitness, found a couple guys over there that looked pretty good on the basketball court. And uh, they're filling the team next year. And it, 
I mean, the Washington Wizards racing towards the bottom uh, for a 2024 draft that is, by most accounts, not even nearly as good as this year. And this year, there were only about three players that anyone could name. So, I mean, one could assert that the Wizards are tanking at the wrong time. That's something you could say if you chose to say it. But again, the, the, like I said last week, this is a team that has not had a 50-win season since the summer of love. So the Wizards will be the Wizards at the end of the day. I uh, don't want to keep talking about that, so let's just keep moving, I guess. Sticking with the NBA for a little bit longer here, and would you believe it, got three more headlines to get through, and we are 20 minutes into the episode. Told y'all, this is going to be a short one because nothing's happening this week. Stay tuned next week for the division preview, starting off with the Eastern Division's AFC East on next Tuesday. Book it. Be there. Wednesday on YouTube. Do it. Subscribe to it. Do it, bitch. All right, let's move on to another NBA headline. John Collins is finally free from Atlanta. I think he, he requested a trade probably, I don't know, 50 years ago. It's been a while since he actually, uh, I don't know if it was officially requesting the trade. There's been rumblings that John Collins has hated playing for the Hawks for quite some time now. So I, I'm surprised it took him this long to get this deal done. But he is free, finally free from Atlanta. And they sent him to the Utah Jazz. You know, maybe on the court it's going to be an upgrade, but, you know, color me skeptical. I'm thinking that going from Atlanta to Utah for an NBA player, this is not a hot take either. Slight lifestyle downgrade as far as the off-the-field curriculars go. Might even be better for his basketball playing career, though, if... if I mean, far less distractions in, in Salt Lake City than Atlanta for an NBA player. I'll tell you that right now. But, um, you know, might be a little bit of a downgrade in that, that respect. But he's on a better team. I mean, specifically, he's got... I mean, also, Jazz sent Rudy Gay in a future second-round pick. Again, okay. Rudy Gay is not the Rudy Gay of five years ago who wasn't the Rudy Gay of three years before that. So... I don't know. Good good for them, I suppose. The Hawks is the Hawks. They'll be right uh, right back in that play-in tournament once again next year. You can book it now as far as I'm concerned. Uh, this trade does not make them better. It does make the Utah Jazz better, in my opinion. Uh, I'm not sure Rudy Gay is the guy you want to build around long-term. John Collins, on the other hand, he's only had one season scoring above 20 points a game, but he's been above 50% every single year he's been in the league. He's been a fairly efficient offensive player. And in the front court right now, they got a young kid in Walker Kessler, who a rookie last year, uh, nine points, a little over eight rebounds for, for the season last year. Probably going to come on strong this next season. Uh, rookies always make a jump to the next year if they're any good. And I think Walker Kessler showed us some things throughout the course of last season. And then he got a real young star in Lowry Markinen. He scored like 25 a game, 8 rebounds, something like that. Uh, maybe even more than that. I, I can't quite remember. But 25 a game from the front court. Plus he got John Collins, who has scored 20 points a game uh, for at least one season in his career. Walker Kessler coming on strong. That's a really, really good backcourt or front court. I don't know who they have in the backcourt, which is why 
which is why I said backcourt before. I digress on that front. But that front court that the Utah Jazz have between Collins, Kessler, and Markinen, you could do a lot worse. You could you could have a really, really strong, dominant front court game this next season. I think Danny Ainge is the one running the team down there. Classic Danny Ainge move, sending an old player and a second round pick in exchange for, you know, a, a guy that still has some potential, was not thriving in his circumstances because who really thrives with the Atlanta Hawks? That's that's the real question in all of this. But you bring him to Utah, like I said, maybe not the greatest lifestyle upgrade, but as far as a basketball upgrade, much better structure in order to go in and improve consistently, maybe make a playoff push next year. I'm not going to come out here and say that they're going to be competing in the West for a championship. I'm not even sure that they're better than the Warriors next year, but they're Right on that level, I would say, like any anywhere from a 6 to a, a 10 seed, I think they'll certainly be in the conversation for playoffs next year. I'm not sure how good they will end up being. Again, that backcourt, who do they got back there? Colin Sexton? Uh, maybe one, one other guy that I'm not remembering right now, but it's not exactly jumping off the paper their team, but they have a good enough team to at least be in the conversation for a playoff spot next year. I like this trade for the Utah Jazz. You, you know, Danny Ainge may be the most unlikable man in all of basketball based on the things that I, I hear about him from people that are plugged in with the whole basketball scene. But my God, is he good at building a team, acquiring draft picks. Built the Celtics that, that we have right now, flawed as they may be, they're still one of the best teams in the East. Went to the finals one year. Now he is slowly rebuilding this thing with the Utah Jazz. Got a boatload of picks for Rudy Gobert last offseason. Got this trade done this offseason and didn't give up a first-round pick in order to get it done. I see what you're doing there, Danny. I appreciate it. I'm watching it, and I'm liking it, all right? I'm, I'm liking it a lot. Um, up next, the NBA draft. Boring. Absolute snooze fest. Granted, didn't really watch it. But why would I if this is not like the NFL draft? I don't know. Outside of the top three, I don't know a goddamn one of those players. I mean, hey, congrats to Victor Wimbanyama. Like everyone thought, you got drafted first overall. Uh, number two, Scoot Henderson. <laughs> no, no, sorry about that. I forgot. It wasn't Scoot Henderson, although that was pretty much confirmed by Shams earlier in the day on the Pat McAfee show, went out there and said, Scoo Henderson is the guy at number two. But that's not who it was, folks. It was Brandon Miller for reasons. Who's to say? I, if Well, if I were in that situation, probably wouldn't be making the pick. And if I did, I'd be putting together a bad team. But if I were making that pick, probably go with Scoot Henderson just based on uh, the potential. But understandable concerns about his shooting ability, uh, I'm, I'm staying away from the easy jokes there with Brandon Miller, but accurate shooter, accurate shooter, you know, maybe an even better passer. Damn it. I, I said I wasn't going to go to the jokes, but there I, there I went going to the jokes. Very good passer as well as a very good shooter. And I'll leave it at that. But he goes at number two, number three, we had Scoo Henderson to the Portland trailblazers. So I think that's a good player. Do, do I think <laughs> I mean, do I do I think it's enough to, to have Damian Lillard still stick around? I don't know what the Portland Trailblazers are doing, quite frankly. It, 
They don't have a championship roster. They don't even have a really good playoff roster. They basically just have Dame Lillard and the, the lifeless husk of a team that he drags along with him. Also, Scoot Henderson as well. So, I mean, that, that could be cool. I I don't discount that Damian Lillard would want to stay with the Portland Trailblazers. He, by God, he's been there his entire career. He probably has built an entire life in that locale. He probably loves Portland, quite frankly. But... At the end of the day, from a team perspective, Damian Lillard is the most marketable trade asset on the entire team. And without trading away a guy, I don't know how you rebuild that thing with just, you know, mid-first round picks. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens there and, and go from there. I don't know how you rebuild without just like fully hitting the reset button because I don't know if Damian Lillard's not going to let you be bad enough in any given year, I don't think, to be right at the top of the draft. And again, maybe maybe they're thinking like the Wizards right now, not like the Wizards, they're, they're thinking unlike the Wizards and saying, hey, maybe this next draft isn't one that we want to tank for, maybe, maybe we don't hit the reset button just yet, but... Also, they got the number three pick with Damian Lillard there for a little over half the year. Like that's how that's how bereft of talent this roster is. I feel like you need. Yeah, I, I'm sure Damian Lillard wants to stay in town, but that's a guy that you need to trade if you want to uh, fully go into rebuild mode here. Which, if you don't, I don't see him being a whole lot better than they've been the last couple of years. This this Port, Portland Trailblazers team is just about dead in the water unless Damian Lillard hits another gear that we have not seen just yet in his NBA career. Outside of that, though, NBA draft is boring. A NBA draft is boring here, folks. I don't know. I don't know who the the the, the Thompson brothers, Amen and Asar. They, they play to that pseudo high school league overtime elite where they just basically groom them into social media influencers. Makes my skin crawl thinking about that overtime elite bullshit. Just go into the G League. Just, just go into the G League Ignite team. It's probably a little bit less strange vibes uh, in, unless you're trying to be some weird TikTok celebrity, which... To be fair, who isn't nowadays? So, I mean, hey, go ahead. If you want some bad competition that's basically high school level and you want to grow your brand, go to Overtime Elite. Go right ahead. Uh, if you want to improve as a basketball player, just go to the G League. Go to G League Ignite. Go to college. Hell, you, the, the, the competition is going to be better in college. You're going to be able to grow your brand better in college if that's what you decide to do. Just based on, I mean, if you go to Duke, you got that brand to hop on top of. You score like... You score like 20 a game at Duke, you're a star. Absolute star. Look at look at what Zion did, vaulting him into the stratosphere at Duke. R.J. Barrett, he basically got drafted on, one, talent from coming out of high school, two, the hype of being on that Duke team with Zion Williamson. So there is there is value to going to college. Get the, get the hell out of here with that overtime elite bullshit. And then even outside of the top five, I'll tell you right now, I do not know who went at six. I don't know who went at seven, eight, nine, ten. I don't really know anyone outside of the top five, quite frankly, who went in the NBA draft. It is just, it's a snooze fest. It's its bad television. There's a million trades which you would think would be better for the product, but there's no players I've heard of in those trades. It's all just wheeling and dealing draft picks, uh, moving up, moving down. The players are putting on hats that for teams they're not even going to play for. Uh, they're having weird interviews. Some I don't remember the woman's name. The analyst at the desk throwing just asinine shade at J.J. Reddick. 
She said J.J. Redick was an average three-point shooter. He's top 20 all-time. He is top 20 all-time in three-point shooting, and you said he was an average three-point shooter. What, what are you doing? And he had to just shut up and take that. He, he, he thought about it. He thought about going in hard like it was first take, but he knew this night is about the kids. It is not about defending my honor. I am sure there were words had off the camera after that that uh, camera hit. And, you know, she was trying to make a point you can forgive and forget. Uh, you know, trying to make a good point in the name of good television. I can understand that. But, my goodness, you threw some unnecessary shade at the boy J.J. Reddick over there. I just, I, I can't abide, cannot abide such a thing being said in in the face of the man over there, but that was probably the most exciting thing that happened in the entire broadcast. I mean, first pick happened. Hell, the pick, the pick itself, Victor Wembanyama isn't what pe most people were staring at. You perverts were staring at his sister because she had a low-cut dress on. You, you six, six sons of bitches being horny on the timeline. I'm tired of it. Stop it. Go out there, get some help, take a walk. I don't need to be seeing. I don't need to be seeing that. I'm, I'm here for wholesome Christian content on my timeline here, talking about the Lord, my Savior, Jesus Christ, right now. All right. Um, outside of that, I mean, Victor Wembanyama's brother, about about a seven footer as well. Uh, sister, hot apparently. I didn't look. <laughs> you kidding me? That's, <laughs> I didn't look, but you showed me on the timeline, so I was forced to. And you know what? Yeah, she's attractive. But I don't care. Let's move on to the next uh, next thing in the line. You you sick perverts, get off my timeline. I'm here for Christian content only. Uh, outside of that, eh, I don't know. I mean, this is the NBA draft. Um, yeah, that that's that's pretty much it, I guess. Huh? Ha have fun being in in the NBA to all those picks whom I've never heard of. If you don't go to the Oklahoma City Thunder, I'm going to assume you're bad, quite frankly, frankly, because they, they do best with this draft capital than just about anyone else. So hmm? let's move on, I guess. But yeah, I am once again urging you, stop being horny on the timeline. Stop it. Get some help. Go seek Jesus there, folks. And I guess we're going to move on from there. Um, Yeah, I think I'm going to talk about it. Mississippi State. And uh, not usually an off-season headline sort of thing, but Mississippi State had a week for the ages, folks. Let's go through this here, man. I mean, it was a super slow week, so here we are about 30 minutes into the podcast. Not far from the end, quite frankly, and we're talking about Mississippi State. That's, that's why we're doing division previews, folks. Next week, be there. AFC, be there or I'll kill you. That's a fact. Not really a fact. Don't come after me, police officers. I digress. Uh, either way... Baseball team from Mississippi State. Kept Dakota Jordan in town. Really, really solid freshman. A guy who's going to be making very good contributions going forward. He went into the transfer portal out the very next morning. I don't know if it was an NIL thing. I don't know if it was just a, a communication thing. I don't know why people go into the portal and then hop on out nowadays. But happy to have Dakota Jordan back no matter what it took to get him back. Two, the football team got four. Count them. One, two, three, four four-star recruits this year. We got two wide receivers out of the state of Mississippi, J.J. Harrell, Stonka Burnside. Burnside, by the way, out of Starkville High School. We did not have a repeat of the A.J. Brown scenario. 
Praise to Allah, praise to God, praise to Yahweh, in fact, that we were able to get him instead of having someone come in and poach him, namely Ole Miss. Glad that happened. So we got two four-star wide receivers. We got a four-star corner who I cannot remember right now. And we got a four-star offensive lineman out of IMG Academy in Florida by the name of Jimothy. Dude's name is Jimothy. How about that? Love to see it. I love an offensive lineman with a crazy name. It's it's fantastic. Uh, R.I.P. Darunya Wilson, wide receiver, but also a fantastic name. You get some fun, fun names on the Mississippi State football team, and that is a guarantee, my friends. That's not all that happened this week. The women's basketball team, I believe they added another recruit in the transfer portal, and that's for this upcoming year. That that football recruiting, that's a 2024 season, which bodes well for 2024. doesn't affect right now. This affects right now. The women's basketball team is now in top five in portal classes for the upcoming season. Top five. They have put together a really good roster after going to the NCAA tournament this past season. They are red hot. Sam Purcell going to get hired away by somebody, but he just got an extension. So give us that buyout money, whoever hires him. Give it to us. So good for them. Good for Sam Purcell making this thing happen. I also, I think the football team got another um, rising recruit out of Vicksburg today, a defensive end. Three-star, but the guy that, that recruited him also recruited basically Every solid defensive tackle that you you know from Mississippi State. Uh, at the very least, Fletcher Cox, uh, Jones, Chris Jones, that is. I believe he had an instrumental role in bringing in, I, not Isaiah Simmons, uh, oh, Simmons, you know him. Defensive tackle for the Titans. I don't know. Jeffrey Simmons, my God. I am, I am just brain dead at the moment. That's... It is what it is there, folks. But giant, 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 giant week for the Mississippi State Bulldogs in football. Top 20 recruiting class. Granted, one of the teams behind us is Bama. And that's not gonna that's not gonna stay that way. They're gonna be top two by the time it's all said and done. But getting four stars at the state of Mississippi, locking down the state of Mississippi, I'll tell you right now, also, before I get away from it, watch out for the Mississippi State Bulldogs women's basketball team next year. They are going to be red hot. It's going to be a season that might get Sam Purcell hired away by someone else, but it is going to be a very, very good season for the Mississippi State Bulldogs next year on the women's basketball court. I'll tell you that right now. Put a plug in that. Let's talk about the football team again here, folks, because I observed I did not talk about it a whole lot on this show because it's very inside baseball for Mississippi State fans here, of which I am alumnus, uh, Mississippi State uh, fan at this point. I'm lifelong. I went there. I, I had some great times there. Had some bad times there, but mostly great times over at Mississippi State. Uh, specifically, painting my chest up, being in the front row at every single home game that I could be at. I'm going to love that team forever. So, it was inside baseball whenever Zach Arnett was putting this staff together, but... If you look at the way that he put it together, he brought in uh, Chad Bumpus, former former Mississippi State great wide receiver. You know, short time in the NFL, was a very good wide receiver coach, very good recruiter in the state of Mississippi as well. And at, at all levels, I'm talking defensive line, um, defensive coordinator, uh, offense. Uh, well, all the all the position coaches that you see around this team were solely and specifically hired to recruit and sap 
every single thing that they can out of the state of Mississippi. It's not the way that big-time programs like the top upper echelon of Division I uh, can do. Uh, Georgia just went and got the number one quarterback in this, this upcoming class, uh, 2024, that is, out of the state of Arizona. Across the entire uh, United States, two time zones over, they went over and got that quarterback. That is simply not that's that's not what Mississippi State is here to do. They can go out to Florida and go get an offensive lineman because of our reputation, because of what this offense is going to be favorable to offensive linemen, and the history of Mississippi State of just churning out very good offensive linemen throughout the course of their of their existence. Ever since Dan Mullen was in town, quite frankly, we have been churning out offensive linemen on that front. You, you can go out of state and get some of those guys, but as far as skill positions are concerned, as far as defense is concerned, one, at our level... I'm not sure there's really anywhere else you need to go in order to get that talent because Mississippi is a talent-rich state. This isn't like recruiting the state of Kansas. It's not like recruiting, uh, say, a Wisconsin or something like that. You're not just you're not just going for corn-fed white boys who might be you know two or three stars. We got four stars and sometimes five stars every single year in the state of Mississippi. And if you just win the state of Mississippi recruiting-wise, which Mississippi State generally does, uh, this past year. Uh, God damn that that Ole Miss, those stupid sons of bitches, they went out and got a couple of four stars, uh, I think top two players in the state of Mississippi. But in this upcoming season, Mississippi State's already jumping out to a, a big lead on them right now. They are going to absolutely dominate this state in recruiting. And specifically, if Kevin Barbe comes in and has an explosive year on offense in 2023, that's basically what these offensive recruits are waiting for right now. We have absolutely destroyed, demolished on the defensive side. You can go look at Mississippi State's recruiting classes for the next uh, two years going forward. They've got a they are studded with four stars right now. They are getting all sorts of players up and down up and down the defensive roster from defensive line to linebacker uh, to to secondary specifically secondary. We have been killing it on the back end as far as bringing players in and recruiting very good players. On the offensive side, you've seen some hesitance from recruits. It's understandable because we're going from an air raid system with Mike Leach to Kevin Barbe, who is more, uh, not ground and pound, but one of the most balanced offenses in the entire uh, country last year at App State. Very good scheme-wise, but 2023 is going to be a big-time prove-it year. Proof-of-concept year, if you will. But if he comes out, goes up against the SEC West, and they can put up points, they can run on just about anybody, Will Rogers hits some some plays down the field, the offense looks explosive even after uh, the passing of Mike Leach and going from that air raid to a more balanced sort of style, the offensive recruits are going to come in. Mark my words, these two four-star wide receivers are just the start if Kevin Barbe comes out and has a, a baller sort of year with that offense. And uh, with that said, I am looking forward to the future of Mississippi State. I am far less than sold on Chris Lamanis as the head baseball coach, but he's there right now. Uh, hopefully he can pull some things together next season. We've got a new pitching coach, which should help. Maybe. I hope. I don't know, though. Let's move on to the final headline of the day. And my goodness, we got 40 minutes into this, man. That's that's longer than I thought. We're not going to go a whole lot longer, though, because this is... I like to end off with a little bit of lighthearted uh, adjusting, if you will, towards someone or other. This time, it's Aaron Rodgers, because 
He's a weirdo. He, he's strange. Uh, once again, he made the parallel between uh, spelling and casting spells, and uh, it's still just stupid. Let me, let me read the quote here for you, just so you can get how dumb hippie shit this is. Uh, quote, you know, words are so interesting. They have such power in their spells. There's a reason it's called, quote, spelling, because the way that the letters are put together have such power. And, um... I feel like someone needs to tell Aaron Rodgers that he sounds like a dumb hippie sometimes. I, I have a, I have an inkling that maybe he doesn't surround himself with people that are gonna come out and say, "Hey, dude, what the fuck are you saying?" That's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Oh, the, the words are—they call it spelling because words cast spells. Cool. Cool. I bet that really played well at that hippie psychedelic conference you went to, man. And I, honestly, I am not anti-drug here. I'm not anti-hallucinogen. I think it's very helpful. I, I would not be against trying such things one day. It could be a, an interesting sort of mental journey of self-discovery to go down. But I'll tell you one thing. A lot of these people that are very into psychedelics that I've, I've met and come into contact with, I've come into contact with many over the years... Many of them are, you know, let's just say they have great imaginations and they are easily impressed. You know, they're they're the type of people where you're like, oh, oh, oh let, me, let me, you want to see me remove my thumb? Ooh, ooh. And they're like, oh, how did that happen? Oh, your thumb is back on your hand. What what happened there? Oh, oh my goodness. You must be a magician. That That's what Aaron Rodgers basically did at this psychedelic conference. Uh, we'll call it the Sloan of Psychedelics. That that really rolls off the tongue very well. Um, he, he basically just dazzled a bunch of buffoons with uh, some, some words that were put together in a sentence by a very strange man. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't really have a whole lot else to say other than that, but Aaron Rodgers, God bless him for just being himself no matter what, but I've said it before, I'll say it again, what a weirdo this guy. What, what an absolutely strange person Aaron Rodgers is in the context of really any, if Aaron Rodgers walks in and starts talking about casting spells and, and ayahuasca trips, asking you what your opinions on 9-11 are, do you think the towers were real, do you think the earth is flat, uh, do you think about chemtrails often, does the government delete those thoughts from your head, this all, you know, if Aaron Rodgers comes into a party, I think he's one of those guys that, you know, you stick around in the conversation for a little bit, because in small doses you're like... Hello, this guy. This guy's fucking insane. I like listening to this dude. Then about like, you know, 10 to 15 minutes in, you're like, well, ah, this was fun. I'm going to go grab another beer and never come back. And after time, he kind of, he kind of, he kind of gets his, his crowd around him, I would say, but it's certainly not me. It's certainly not most people at the party. You're going to have three or four people over there that by the time the party is over, they're just eating out Aaron Rodgers' hand, ready to join a cult. That's why I think in the future, Aaron Rodgers is going to be a very good call leader. One day, he's going to take all of those hundreds of millions of dollars, go out in Oregon like wild, wild country, like like almost said Bhagavan Antel. Different sort of uh, of documentary right there. But um, Rajneesh, uh, that guy from wild, wild country, look it up. I don't care. You, you look it up. I don't really care. Whatever. Um, he's going to go out into the desert. He's going to go out into Oregon somewhere, going to find a ranch. Uh, buy about a thousand acres and, and form a giant commune out there. 
that's that's what his future is going to be. A big old big old libertarian uh, hippie commune where he bangs everyone's wives and talks about psychedelics all day. Also, you microdose mushrooms every single day. You have an ayahuasca trip every month until you find that enlightenment you've been been looking for. That seems to be what's on Aaron Rodgers' future right now. But uh, yeah, words cast spells. Never forget it, folks. Yeah, that's that's some dumb shit right there. But with that, we are right at the end here. This is over. This is done. This was a terrible episode. Well, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Uh, Unqualified Analysis. Subscribe wherever you're listening. Follow me on Twitter uh, at Caleb Verzak. Uh, one episode a week during the offseason. Tuesdays for audio. Wednesdays for YouTube. Um, not a whole lot of stuff going on in the offseason. Could be good. Could be bad. Tune in to find out, I suppose. If you want to contact the show as well, Probably just shoot me a, t a DM on Twitter at Caleb Verzak. Link will be down in the description so you don't have to spell my fucked up Eastern Bloc name. I did that for you because I've done it my entire life. I'm a little experienced at it at this point. I usually spell my name right. I'll, I'll just put it to you that way. Um, outside of that, if you want to shoot me an email, unqualifiedanalysis at gmail.com. That's, that's the Gmail right there. Also be in the description uh, so you don't got to spell that out. No, no room for error right there. I served it up to you on a platter. Not that any of you will actually take me up on coming out here and uh, you know contributing to the show. You're, you're passive listeners, and I hate you for it. I don't actually hate you. I love you. Kisses, good vibes. All that dumb bullshit that Aaron Rodgers is into. Uh, but yeah, thanks for tuning in on Unqualified Analysis. As always, I got no clue what I am talking about, but I'll tell you what. This is not one thing I learned this week. I learned this quite a long time ago, but it bears talking about here. We did not domesticate cats, folks. You heard that right. We did not domesticate cats. They domesticated themselves. Whenever humans started developing agriculture, they had to create storages for their their grains for their crops all that sort of stuff those those grain storage facilities would bring in rats rodents all sorts of things that would come in and eat the grain eat the crops while they're in those big old storage facilities they just think they hit the jackpot they're living life large on the other side though they're spreading disease through the population uh people are dying left and right they're getting sick they're having shorter lives but those rodents coming over to the grain silos also brought in wild cats to hunt those rodents. They The cats found out, oh, near these big old grain silos, there's a bunch of prey for me to find, so I'm going to hang out near these silos, and I'm just going to I'm just gonna live life large in my own right, picking off every single rodent that I can find and just having a good day, hunting for fun, hunting for sport, and killing all these rodents. So... It was a mutually beneficial relationship. The farmers liked having the cats around because they would hunt the mice and rats and all of them. The cats liked being around the farms because rodents galore, what isn't there to love out there? And then over time, at some point, the cats started, you know, decided to hang out with the farmer a little bit more and just kind of go about the day with the farmers. The, the OG barn cat, if you will, just having a good old time. Slowly and slowly but surely over time, that developed into a, a relationship where the cats were domesticated. They were no longer wild anymore. They liked to live with humans, but never forget, they chose that relationship. It was a symbiotic relationship that eventually progressed into domestication because the cats enjoyed living with humans. So, yes, the cats domesticated themselves. But they also chose to live with us. I think that that you know deserves a, quite a degree of of you know credit on their side. It, it feels good knowing that they they enjoy being around us. Also, 
Um, because they decided to be domesticated and were not actually domesticated by humans like dogs were, cats kept most of their natural predatory instincts. Your house cat is a natural-born killer. Don't ever, don't ever assume otherwise. Cats have uh, legitimate predatory reflexes. They got predator drive. If you leave them to their own devices and they go outside, they hunt for sport. Absolutely merc some some birds rodents all those sorts of things out there uh but yeah they still have those instincts because they chose to domesticate themselves there's your fun fact of the day i'm sure you probably already knew or assumed that but i found that fascinating and flattering that the cats decided to live with us uh but there it is a little under 50 minutes not the longest episode in the world, not the best episode in the world, but it was an episode. You're welcome, folks. I don't, no need to thank me. I'm out of here.